Hello, everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Leslie the Third. I'm Jack Allison. And today, in this time, you know, mm-hmm. when so much is going on, there's so many things that you're seeing in the media that are so disturbing. I saw this video of a of a nice, you know, cop that was just trying to get an egg McMuffin. Oh yeah. <laughs> And cops I mean, out there, they, went- they can't. This is it's a very scary time for them. There's like so many different fast food meals that they can be that they you know want to get while on duty. Then you know it just doesn't feel safe. Doesn't feel safe out there to be getting milkshakes and egg McMuffins. You know, uh, in these times, because they're afraid that someone's going to do something like a little bit mean, a little bit nasty, mm-hmm. play some kind of dirty joke. Mm-hmm. on them with their mm-hmm. food mm-hmm. Uh, some kind of trickster out there will do something to their egg muffin right and today we're talking about someone who's played a character a fictional character now you mm-hmm. know so it, it is okay for you to listen to this but i do want to give you fair warning we're talking about a fictional character that has done a lot of mean things to cop over oh, yeah. over the years <laughs> played a lot of very cruel and mean uh jokes <laughs> on them and i just wanted to warn everyone before we get too deep into this episode yeah that yes this is an episode about the most dangerous fictional character of all time a name that some some don't even like to hear spoken uh is how is how scary this you know warner brothers at&t owned fictional character is today we're talking about the joker Mm. The clown prince of crime himself. Yes, the the bad clown. The mm. clown that was bad and mean to people, especially cops. Um, we're talking about <laughs> him today, and we have a very special uh, guest joining us. She is a uh, director and editor, award-winning director and editor, who has taken on the task and i don't know maybe this is an episode maybe we can talk her out of it because (laughs) what she is planning to do is to make yet another joker film taking her her award-winning editing skills to create a brand new joker film specifically during the time of the coronavirus using uh archival footage of the jokers that already exist along with new stuff it's a project called the people's joker it's very you know exciting and interesting but also like very scary because it's about the joker yeah um (laughs) Vera Drew, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. Yeah, it's, I mean, it feels like now more than ever, I shouldn't be tackling a character that that could be potentially tampering with fast food items. It just seems kind of of inappropriate. (laughs) Or at least inspiring people to maybe pull pranks on police. You know, really, as, as, as we're talking about it, I'm like, you know, the killing joke really is the ultimate cop prank you know uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's like the mcdonald's food thing taken to a whole different level yeah Um, yeah so we will be talking about two of the most famous uh, joker comic books of all time Alan Moore and um, Brian Boland's The Killing Joke, uh, as well as uh, Grant Morrison's and Dave McKean's Arkham Asylum, A Serious House on Serious Earth. But before we get into those, uh, Vera, can you please tell us about uh, The People's Joker? So uh, comedian Brie LaRose, uh, she was a writer on Rest of Development and Magic for Humans, uh, actually 
commissioned me to make my own edit of Todd Phillips Joker for $12. She did it like a few <laughs> months ago, which like is about... Editing really has bottomed out at this point. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I champion workers' rights, but this is just the, this is just the reality you know, we're in right now and the industry shutting down. Yeah, fair um, enough. But... Um, you know, I, I started to kind of like do just kind of like a, I, I work primarily with Tim and Eric. So I kind of did like a Tim and Eric edit of it. And it was funny. And like, I think people would love to see it. But like, I kind of, as I was working on it, I was like, you know, I kind of just want to make my own Joker movie. <laughs> um, wow. Because I, I don't know, like, I liked and I appreciated your guys' uh, review of the the one that came out last year because I didn't hate it. By the Todd Phillips cut. Uh, the, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, yes, Phillips yeah, cut. yeah. That's, that's yeah, his version. Um, I, I, I have no issues with it, and that's not why I'm doing this. But I, I think one thing that, like, has been really frustrating for me just watching so many portrayals of the Joker is that like queerness has never really been explored. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and cause to me, like Joker and Batman's relationship, I don't, while maybe not like completely overtly like romantic, there is some s- serious like homoeroticism to it. I think the fact that gender or like Joker is a character that you can really project anything onto. There's really no reason why, you know, they can't be like explored in like a gender mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Yeah. So like I kind of just decided to start writing a new movie um, <laughs> and um, use that uses footage from the 2019 mm-hmm. movie and pretty much any time Joker's popped up and I'm writing basically just like <laughs> long story short, like what it's like to work in comedy and be trans. Um, and I yeah. love it. And yeah, so, and so, so, of course, this is cool fully project. this is fully uh, um, endorsed and licensed by the Warner Brothers Company, right? Uh, they no, actually, no. <laughs> okay. I don't own. I don't own. I I have not gotten anybody's permission. I'm also um, I'm I'm using um, Jared Leto's likeness in in mm-hmm. this film as well. <laughs> he portrays a character. He doesn't play the Joker. I play I play the Joker. Right. Um, okay. Jared Leto plays a character that I'm calling in the movie uh, Mr. J, who <laughs> is like a, an abusive ex-boyfriend of mine. Um, Mr. J. Yeah. And I, I've, I've, I haven't officially reached out to, to Jared yet. Um, well, he has been busy. Um, <laughs> well, he's been uh, in his like, yeah, he's been in like on desert sabbaticals and shit like that, right? He didn't even know <laughs> about this whole COVID thing coming on until <laughs> You uh, might honestly just be able to sneak this past Jared. And honestly, you might he might come out of like, you know, like a, like being in a tent in the desert and like actually think he just was in this movie. <laughs> he might be yeah. like, oh, that's out finally. Thank God. Here it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the way I see it is like, if if like if he wants to be involved, he sh- he totally should because he wants to play the Joker again. Like he's mm-hmm. he's that said that he was very upset that Todd Phillips cast Joaquin. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is his chance. Um, and if he doesn't like it, then this can be his way of making it up to the trans community for 
doing Dallas Buyers Club. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, um, I, I, as much as I love my boy Jared, I gotta say, you know, that was a uh, that was a fuckboy move. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, he was he. I, I mean, he was one of the last. Was he one of the last like big time straight male celebrities that would play a trans woman? Woman, or was there was there was Eddie Redmayne a little bit later? I think Hollywood has finally figured out you can't do that anymore. But uh, yeah, so remember. Jerry, you I feel do like owe it to Vera and the trans community to participate <laughs> yeah. in this, right? Because I also I'm representing the trans community, I guess, with this movie. Is yes. the implication <laughs> I'm making? <laughs> <laughs> there was an election, right? And you were elected to make the Joker movie, right? Yeah, yeah, that was my job. <laughs> there's, there's other stuff I could do, guys. No, no. <laughs> so let's talk for a minute about the Joker because I, I feel like we haven't we've talked about the Joker, but not really about like we haven't really gotten to the bedrock of what this character is or isn't and what makes uh them such a such a appealing and enduring character i mean it seems kind of silly that like a bad clown is the might like survive humanity like there'll still be joker <laughs> stuff around after humans are no longer around right yeah. i feel like that's fairly a safe thing to say the aliens when they come and right. they dig through the wreckage they'll see you know they might pull out a copy of suicide squad or tim burton's <laughs> batman or, or perhaps you know batman beyond return of the joker and they'd be like oh this is kind of cool these human these humans were kind of onto something so so what is it? I, I think we're all fans of the Joker. If we can just go around and talk about what makes the Joker so appealing to us. You know, I guess one thing that uh, that is very appealing about the Joker to me uh, uh, is what you said, Vera, that, um, you know, this is a character that can, like, withstand so many different interpretations, kind of like the Batman character itself. Like, you know, yeah. I don't know, like, you know, of all these kind of, like, corporate-owned characters that are, you know, basically just, like, licenses that get passed around <laughs> by companies yeah. at this point. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, um, you know, the Joker, it, it, it's what, it's what, you know, artists and writers have like brought to the characters over the years. And I think like, you know, that Joker is such a blank slate, uh, um, you know, is what makes uh, the character inspire so many different interpretations or something like that. So, you know, uh, I, I think that, I actually even think Joker can, you know, contain more interpretations even than like the Batman character can. Oh, um, totally. uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think like Joker has kind of weirdly de facto become our like, you know, uh, America's most <laughs> insidious villain or something. Uh, maybe just because it's so he's so, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, prevalent in pop culture and such still such a blank slate. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, I think that's why there was so much, last year was so weird, like, the lead-up to the movie, like, how the media, like, completely, like, wanted there to be, like, an active shooter situation. Yeah, shooter. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, like, I think that kind of comes from that same idea right because like it's also there's no there's 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 different interpretations on where he comes from like there's different philosophies attached to like every joker like and that's that's a terrifying prospect because you can kind of ascribe anything to to this scary clown 
Man. Yeah, like because like Heath Ledger, Ledger's Joker is considered like some sort of like almost lefty anarchist type figure, but deeply like pessimistic when you have, you know, um, Jack Nicholson's Joker, which is basically just like a gangster, a right. flamboyant gangster. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then you get to, you know, maybe a little bit of Jared's kind of Joker, which is more leans on more like the kind of serial killer, you know, creepy serial killer type Joker. I think, you know, you have like a, uh, like you know at first i want to say that you know jokerism is a spectrum and all jokers are beautiful <laughs> all these different interpretations. i even think the mustached joker on the 60s show yeah caesar with the makeup, oh, yeah. yeah that was good too yeah just the prankster criminal the guy who just wants to you know do a bunch of gags like that's the joker as well and it, you kind of see all the jokers interact they're all in a dialectic with one another so i hate 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 to see how some people and i think we've gone away from this thankfully how some people have been trying to you know separate out the jared joker and say oh he's the bad joker no the the most beautiful image on the internet is the image of caesar Romano with uh, <laughs> excuse me caesar romero's joker driving the car with jack nicholson joker with heath ledger joker with uh jared leto joker and they say oh, all right we're going to pick up joaquin joker i think that's wow. one of the most beautiful images on the internet <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that is that is pretty inspiring you know we really can come together we maybe we can't maybe if all the jokers can come together america can still come together <laughs> people are so protective of the character too in kind of a obnoxious way i mean like because i i i unironically like suicide squad like i totally recognize why it's a bad movie um and why <laughs> and why people like don't like it yeah um do you but, want the goyer cut do you want there to be a goyer cut i i would pay thousands of dollars <laughs> to, to like i think the sort of like insane serial killer gangster joker is like one that i really really want to see and i think that's what's appealing to me about jared's joker so yeah i would i would pay good money to see to see the the, the footage that has been left out of the movie yeah, that's kind of my favorite Joker, too. It's the Joker that, you know, it kind of is in The Dark Knight Returns. That's Frank Miller's preferred take on the Joker in The Dark Knight Returns and also, I think, All-Star Batman. He's the one, he, he's the first one who put, like, tattoos on the Joker. The Joker in All-Star Batman has, like, this big, like, Japanese, like, Yakuza, like, full-on Yakuza tattoo on his back. And he's, like, a hitman that's a clown, too, for some reason. <laughs> and um what else? Uh, uh, Brian Azzarello's, he, around the Dark Knight, he put out a graphic novel uh, with uh, just called uh, with, uh, Art by right. Liam Bermejo, just called uh, Joker, which I think we'll talk about sometime, but it's actually a really interesting. That's pretty good. I remember he did a Lex one too, right? That yeah, was he did a uh, Azzarello series. Yeah, there was kind of a, a uh, Azzarello like villains uh, series. Yeah. His new, I don't think the new Batman one he did where he shows Batman's dick is any good. I didn't finish it, but his old Joker comic is pretty good. We'll talk about it sometime, but let's, let's dive into our books today. Two of you know the most famous and well-regarded uh joker comics uh but the, and they did come out you know relatively uh back almost like back to back it was like 1988 was the killing joke which was uh and 1989 uh arkham asylum written by alan moore 
and his um, fail son, Grant Morrison, I have to say. <laughs> and, and Jack, I'm not going to ambush, ambush you again yeah. by making you defend Grant Morrison versus I won't. Alan Moore. Because <laughs> I have never said that like Grant Morrison outdoes Alan Moore. I'm an Alan Moore, uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm a fan. I'm an Alan Moore one. He won this thing. I just still <laughs> like some Grant Morrison stuff. But well, what I'm saying is I actually think this one is actually really fantastic. And this one, uh, Arkham Asylum is almost as good as like an Alan Moore comic. So I'm not going to I'm not going to trash uh be trashing Grant Morrison today. Wow. Uh, we'll we'll get to we'll, we will be doing some Grant Morrison trashing later though. Don't yeah. worry about it. Okay. 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 Good. Thank uh, God. All right. So let's start with, you know, the killing joke, which I feel like the comic the because we went through that period during the Obama era where we kind of started reevaluating all our media through a very kind of liberal, narrow lens of problematic or not and found everything was problematic, <laughs> like the actual craft of this comic got completely lost and thrown um, by the wayside and people just talk about the problematic elements to sexism, but people don't really like, don't really engage with the comic and at least in discussion anymore, whether it's good or not, it's just like it's canceled. And I, I, I have to feel, you know, rereading it today. Like I, I never really thought that was fair. Maybe that's my narrow view of it, but I really like, really think this is still a great comic book. Even if Alan Moore doesn't like it anymore. I have issues with it, but not, I mean, nobody hates performative wokeness more than me. Um, but like my issues with it don't outweigh the things I really, really like about it. And like, also, and definitely it's place in like DC canon, because I feel like the take on it now, like when you bring up this book to people, like people are immediately like, oh, that's the book where Barbara Gordon gets raped. And I feel like that's maybe an implication right. in the text, but like it's never overtly said. Yeah, I agree. I feel like people are like, like the way people talk about it. I'm like, I don't know. You kind of like, you like, yes, it is kind of implied, but it's still like a DC comic. You know what I mean? You can also read it and and not. You can say like I don't think that's what happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, like, I mean, <laughs> and I also think like I don't think that's what happened, but that there is still sex is still sexual violence. What happened to yeah. both you know yeah. Barbara and James Gordon? Like right. being stripped down and humiliated. That's sexual violence too. You don't have to. You know, it is a very you know dark and creepy comic, and it came right. in this point in time where people were making darker comics, and then a lot of people who weren't nearly as good sort of kind of imitated the stuff that they saw in the killing joke and then that kind of backfired on the whole comic industry and then killing joke uh even though what it was doing was you know something different and innovative and well thought out i think um for the most part kind of got all that bash clash put on it instead of like you know this or that crappy comic that kind of mimicked it you don't think that green lantern kyle rayner green lantern handled it as well when yeah. uh, his girlfriend was chopped up and put in the fridge <laughs> you don't think it was like handled with as much like class yeah or, I, I, don't, uh, I don't i don't think alan well? moore i don't think alan moore wrote uh that one so I'm maybe saying, the, yeah. the direct association isn't 100 percent fair i think i think the problem i do have with what like 
happens in this book to Barbara Gordon mm. specifically is I think it kind of, I mean, like exactly what you're saying. Like, I think like a lot of people try to write like more and just can't. Um, but like, I feel like this book kind of like basically paved the way for like what I consider like some of the worst eras of comics. Yeah. And like, 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 like I really, I mean, the era of Batman that I grew up in, like, it was so focused on the Bat family and, like, yeah. Oracle. And it's like, it, I fucking hated all those books so much. <laughs> oh, like, really? <laughs> I am not, yeah, I'm not a Bat family. I'm not really a Batman person. Um, but, like, I just don't, I, like, I could never get into it. Because to me, like, Batman was always, like, the solo. Like a solitary figure, yeah. Yeah, I don't like, need... I- I I agree. Like when I was a kid, you know, uh, it was that same bat family stuff. I never liked any of that shit. I liked the like I had like a, you know, the greatest Batman stories ever told comic or something that had like a bunch of sort of like one shot stuff from like the 60s and 70s. And I also had like Killing Joke. And I always liked that shit a lot more. I kind of agree with you. I, I, or I don't, you didn't say this outright, but I'm like, I feel like one of the like the killing joke is really well written and handled really well and done smart. Um, and then that it was in continuity in DC and like we had, and then we had to like live with that being the way it is forever. And it like kind of lived on in the consciousness so much. I think maybe that was the mistake. (laughs) I think maybe that was the mistake was like living in this trauma forever. You know what I mean? Like this didn't have to be like an incontinuity story. (laughs) They could have just let Alan Moore do a big scary one shot and still have Batgirl. And now we're like, 20 years later and they're like had to like reboot the universe for to have batgirl again it's like stupid well i i disagree jay i think like, like i like really oracle like, yeah of course oracle rule <laughs> oracle is when like the best i mean it's like and and, and well, i talked about this on the death panel podcast and i had to actually break the news to them that there was no longer oracle that the woke comic nerds actually <laughs> were so upset about having a, a disabled superhero that they got rid of her to bring back like barbara gordon as batgirl who was not an active character when the t- at the time that the killing joke you know was written that's why she was able to be shot because she was no longer like a really active character a big deal and so there and so when people were reacting to what they felt was you know the sexism and misogyny of you know all these female characters being killed being depowered like Batgirl was like the crown jewel in that. Like, but the thing was, back she was still there. Barbara Gardner was around. still there. Yeah, she was around. Oracle for yeah. longer than she was Batgirl. Yeah. And so And I will say that Batgirl is not a very exciting or cool character, really, but fine. Yeah, and it was kind of it was strange because you had, you know, um they thought uh there there was this, you know, very, you know, a well-meaning liberal woke idea that we're gonna undo this sexist thing that happened to this character. But the thing was it's like, okay, now there's no it there the most, you know, biggest, most well known uh 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 comic book character with a disability who's been in the video games, who's been in other stuff as Oracle, been that character for long as she was bad girl. We're we're going to completely erase uh, that and make her able body again. And that's supposed to be a victory. And I, I, I really like that really bothered me and bothered, you know, other people. I told about it too. I really thought that was like, like not understand. That was not very yeah. intersectional of the woke nerds. <laughs> uh, as, as I would say. <laughs>
Yeah, and so uh, getting into the actual Killing Joke comic, you mentioned that this is a big prank on a cop. <laughs> a cop I, I, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll actually say I think maybe it's maybe you could say that this comic is about who who what's a more evil institution, the police or stand up comedy? <laughs> <laughs> because these these are the two forces wow. directly yeah. opposed with one another. Especially what's go, going on in the news these days. Like this is today we're recording this on Wednesday. Oh my this god. Stand up comedy is the one that's uh uh <laughs> that everybody's um, mad about, rightfully so. But yeah, so you have um it's it's a kind of parallel narrative where Alan Moore gives you a possible, possible, not uh, not a definite, but a possible origin story for the Joker, where he's the you know this failed stand-up comic that's unfunny who is trying to put uh, food on the table, take care of his wife. Now listen, ends- I think it's good and it's like a good origin story kind of thing. But it was very funny to read someone who's like, "I'm just trying to put food on the table for my wife," and I'm like, "But you're like." doing stand-up you know what i mean i'm like you're not ever gonna make money doing like stand-up dude like let's get like it is funny that there's this guy who's like my main driving purpose is making money for my wife and the way i'm gonna do that is stand-up comedy (laughs) but i like it because it's like quaint and like comic it's very comic booky it's 1960s comics like this is not the real world it's a silly cartoon (laughs) world and you know the jokers are a part of that that's what i really i really like how this one play like, and I think that's what Alan Moore's usually pretty good at is, is taking like, you know, hundred year old tropes and styles from comic books. And then, you know, putting them into this insane world. Like I right. love, I love the idea of Joker being a failed stand-up comedian. <laughs> yeah, and I, I also, I, do like, I genuinely love to, cause I think it speaks to how stupid he was too. Like, for getting mixed up in in the whole like the red hood gang and all that stuff like <laughs> i think i think you know pre um chemical fall joker was a fucking idiot and like totally <laughs> right. got caught up in this like weight was already in over his head um and in a way kind of deserved everything that, <laughs> that befell upon him um, like most uh the fate of most comedians i'd say <laughs> this is what should happen to every comedian they should all well, be what i appreciate about joker's story is that like he's like he's just an idiot and you know he's well-meaning and uh, oh yeah, I like that the Joker's origin in this is almost like what would be a 1960s origin for a superhero named the Joker. You know what I mean? <laughs> like aside from the fact that he's involved in like a robbery or whatever, uh uh he really is just like a a well-meaning guy who like gets he like basically gets like scared by Batman into becoming <laughs> the Joker. <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of funny you say that cuz now now that I think about cuz a lot of the villains did have kind of parallel things but uh um like their original stories would be parallel to the superhero stories they get knocked into the vat of chemicals yada 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 but the villains would always t- use that to then like get revenge on people or make money and the joker or uh and the superheroes would use their powers you know to go and help felt help their you know common man and the joker kind of looks at it and just says like fuck the world uh <laughs> everybody <laughs> acab all a uh, million dead people like all 
he just goes <laughs> he just goes fucking sicko mode uh, yeah. and said doesn't really have any kind of plans infamously joker uh does not make plans just says fuck it like if this is what the world is like where even not where my wife and uh, uh can you know die from what was it she got electrocuted while like heating up like baby uh like the um she, it was like it was formula. also it was such a i love it it's like it's like a very just like total accident weird happenstance yeah it's like she was using like a baby formula heating machine that blew up i love that shit actually that's like one of the best parts about it yeah i love i like every layer of of how he becomes the joker is just so insanely like it's so it's 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 comical like i think that's what really works about this and why like it also is interesting that like this is a villain origin story because like it's that thin line between what's funny and like what's tragic and like what makes somebody nihilistic. And I feel like that is something we see in both comedy and tragedy. And like, I don't know. I think, I think there's something, it's almost like Coen brothers. You like how, Oh yeah. Like absurd and stupid. it is. Um, (laughs) Like, I don't know. It really, it really works for me. Like I, I take, would take that over, the Joker having some sort of like personal vendetta. Yeah. It's also very hilariously. It's like a, uh, um, it's a nature versus nurture story. This is like the Joker taking the, uh, the nurture side of the argument. And Batman says, no, 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 you, it's only a true sicko that becomes a sicko like you, Joker. Yeah, I I mean, if there's any problem with the premise of this book in this book is the idea that Joker would have to do this much to turn uh, James Gordon, a police, into a <laughs> maniacal killer. Like, it would not take <laughs> from what we're seeing in that, the real right, world. Right, yeah. that, 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 that James Gordon does not become a killer uh, is unrealistic. But, I, you know, it is. this is like a superhero cartoon universe or whatever. Yeah, it's a sci-fi alternate dimension where cops can be good people <laughs> and like right. that's that's about it and so the other parallel story is you know batman he's you know this is we're, we're supposed to be you know he's been fighting with the joker for a few years he's realized that joker is his most popular villain and that they he eventually yeah it doesn't make sense that he keeps letting him get out of jail and prison and kill people so eventually he's going to have to kill him or the joker is going to have to kill batman or they're basically in a uh, dance to the death and he's trying to come uh and meet joker and come to some kind of understanding while the joker is just like uh fuck cops <laughs> fuck 12 <laughs> and uh kidnaps uh james gordon shoots barbara gordon Do- he didn't know she was you know batgirl at the time and she had retired from it and he just straight up you know caps her as soon as he opened the door which is you know for all the problematicness of the idea of you know you know how of how women are treated in comic books i still think that's a really like effective and creepy like fucking scene like it's just a it's like this comic has just a lot of really good horror elements in it i just like i really like that scene i like the joke how scary the modern joker is how like scared of him other people are like even batman um when he meets the fake joker in that interrogation scene he's like do you have any idea what you've unleashed like people are as scared of the joker in this comic as people are in real life of the joker (laughs) (laughs) wow the only thing that can compare yeah, I think I think that 
I, I, I mean, that's why I, I, I completely reject the criticism that, like, I mean, it's also, it's, it's a stupid criticism to say that, like, women, the women are treated more unfairly in this book than the men, because, like, I'm, I'm sorry, but, like, women are treated more unfairly in real life. <laughs> like, like, if, yeah. like, and also, like, somebody as crazy as this dude, like, would do those things. Like, I don't, yeah. I, I think it, it's, it actually is really kind of pointing out the power that the character has, which is, is something that I think some authors actually screw up when they just turn him into like edgelord Joker. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he, his Joker's grand plan is to prove that, you know, all it takes is one bad day uh, for even someone as upstanding as a Gotham city police officer <laughs> <laughs> to turn bad, to break bad as it were and uh, become a killer. Um, so he, you know, he, you know, shoots Barbara takes you naked photos of her strips, James Gordon naked takes him through like this dilapidated fun house. I, I wonder, is this where the idea that Joker is always like an owner of like a, ret- of like a dilapidated, uh, amusement so. park like Although there it does feel very 60s joker you know yeah. what i mean like i think this might even come from like classic silver age batman yeah i was taking so. over like a you know carnival or whatever yeah but now it's like everything like even like the harley quinn movie the like the last fight scene which is very good takes place in like a, a old amusement park is it's like there's an old amusement park district in gotham and for some reason <laughs> notices that like well, there was a this big, guy there named was a big jay Oker. Park boom there's a big yeah. m- m- amusement park boom. So there's a whole, you know, sector. And then the bottom <laughs> fell out. So there's just a whole bunch of amusement parks over there. But Brian Boland's art in this is like top notch. Some of the best art you'll ever see. He does same panel style that the Alan Moore used in Watchmen with the tiny panels. Right. But when he lets loose and opens those panels up, my God, it's just yeah. like the, the, when uh, Batman breaks through the funhouse mirror at Joker, like it's just some of the most beautiful, you know, Batman and Joker images uh, you'll ever see. Uh, but sadly, uh, you know, James Gordon is not driven insane. In fact, he tells Batman in probably the worst scene in the book, the least believable scene, he tells, I want him brought in by the book. Well, which is like some silly shit because I'm like, dude, you're talking to like a bat dressed man. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, by what book are you talking about? For real? <laughs> I, 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 I guess we're supposed to think that, all right, Batman, uh, Joker has gone so far. He shot Batgirl who, you know, who even though James Gordon doesn't know and Joker don't know, you know, has this very, you know, close, intimate relationship with Batman. And this is going to put, maybe this will push Batman over the edge, but nope, he uh, just kind of smacks him around a couple of times arrests him and then in a very strange move alan moore move he the joker tells batman this really weird joke once he's captured about like uh, about two escapees from an insane asylum who are trying to get away but they don't trust each other enough 
to get away but even if they did trust each other they both end up dead anyway and it's supposed to be of course a metaphor for the relationship of batman and joker because in both this book and as well as you know arkham asylum uh i think this was where the idea that batman is supposed to be just as crazy in scare quotes crazy as you know that we used to use you know back in the 60s he's supposed to be just as kooky and crazy as the joker and they're kind of two sides of the same coin and this and alan moore kind of leaned on this as well as uh grant morrison did i never really necessarily bought you know the premise <laughs> of that but it's fun to explore and i think uh, you know alan moore and grant morrison later as we'll talk uh, both do kind of a good job of you know suggesting that you know batman he's just as you know off his fucking rocker or whatever as the joker is if he's going around dressing as a bat and beating right. up clowns this is kind of where this book actually falls apart for me a little bit. Um, I, I kind of just reject Alan Moore's like premise of insanity that like, yeah, particularly in this reality that he even built that like, that somebody can be driven mad into the degree of madness that like the Joker's at in this particular book. Like I don't, I don't know. Cause I do think there is something interesting to be discussed with, with, you know, Batman being just as crazy as the people he's fighting. And I think Grant Morrison does a better job of that. Um, but I don't know. There's something about, especially like with, with how vague the ending is and the fact that it can be interpreted that did Batman kill him? Did Batman take him back to Arkham? It's like, to me, the, the nuance that can be explored in Batman being just as crazy as these villains is that he, has compassion, you know, and that would also separate him from cops. <laughs> um, yes, exactly. You know, like that, and that's it's never got, gotten to that point, but like, I mean, well, it's in some books it has, but like in this one, particularly, I feel like that's where it kind of drops the ball. Like that's where the nuance could have kind of been explored. Yeah. I, I feel like th- there's kind of like two arguments, you know, being proposed. Cause I think the larger argument that Alan Moore makes about, you know, insanity. And again, we're not using this in the technical way. Uh, but the idea that the reaction to our world and Joker explicitly said this a few times he gives a little couple of little speeches where he talks about, you know, when you have a world full of starvation, famine, rape, war, the only rational, you know, response to that is irrationality, right? But that's kind of like a bigger argument than whether this particular guy named, you know, Jack or whatever would be driven mad by what happened to him or that James Gordon could possibly be driven, you know, you know, clinically insane by what happened to him. I think the larger more, uh, point of like our world is so fucked up that actually uh, a person like the Joker is the only one who can actually, you know, you deal with it and survive it is very, you know, good and pretty relevant. I think it, you know, gets to the jokeification t- theory um, proposed by Bugmane as well as, you know, <laughs> other people that, you know, if we're going to survive 2020, we got to get fucking jokerified on some level or not. But I think that it, it, even though it's covering kind of the same ideas, uh, you're very, you're very right about like, it is kind of like a comic book conception of, you know, mental health and mental illness but the kind of larger metaphorical argument i think is you know fairly sound because our world is so fucked up that like the only person who can make any sense of it would be a joker or joker joker type figure 
yeah, it's that whole, um, that super sanity thing with the Joker of, of like the, and that's, and that's why like it kind of feels like maybe he knows he's in a story and stuff like that. Like that, I don't know. That is very interesting. And that's, I mean, maybe that's actually what really works about it is that like, you can then have this conversation about it and it's kept vague, but, um, all right. So, uh, let's, you know, overall, what, do, what do we still think about, you know, the killing joke? Now I'd be remiss to not mention the, uh, animated version of it that tried to address all the criticisms that people made and it just people made people even more mad uh, because they gave Barbara Gordon like this whole big arc in it like a whole extra like like a third it makes it of, like worse and weirder yeah, it, makes I, it, I, it, worse. It, it upset a lot of people because she ends up like having a, like a sexual relationship with batman and and she was also like dating some she has like some flirtation with some criminals like they add a lot of barbara gordon stuff to it but it like did not really like make the story any any better and, and upset the same people so I, I i i would you know suggest like if you're going to try to uh, update Alan Moore, uh, you best not miss because it, 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 it just pissed people off more. But I, I still think this story, even if it does, even if in the larger context of comic books, it might have had, uh, a, some positive effect. I think Oracle was a good thing, but I think the negative effect of like the cumulative effect of how female characters are treated could be, could, you can definitely make an argument, um, uh, about, uh, that being a bad thing. But overall, I still think this is just like a fantastic comic and one of my favorite comics. And I always enjoy going back and reading it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have my issue that, exactly what you said like it's it's also like i i really i find it very annoying when people just make broad statements like i don't like the killing joke because you can't deny the impact that it's i don't think we'd have like even if the killing joke isn't your favorite book and you but you have a favorite joker i can guarantee you that joker wouldn't exist without the killing joke yes yeah you just can't deny the craft you know what i mean like i i do think that there's some weird stuff in this and i do think that there's a kind of feeling here that like you're like that al and even alan moore in his like later interviews is like i didn't know that they would like really let me go that far you know uh <laughs> but like you still can't deny like what a well-told story this is and like again we haven't even talked that much about how gorgeous the artwork is uh um yeah this is and also like you know just for a comic to be like a, I like this like a cool sort of like 60 page comic or this is like an interestingly sized kind of uh, uh deluxe comic um it's great it's a great story uh even if it's a little bit uh uh you know problematic all right and moving on to batman arkham asylum now i i have to be fair you know i i i hadn't read this comic since i first read it maybe 20 years ago and i didn't really like it the first time I read it, and it, it's so weird, the thing that I, annoyed me about it was I didn't like how Joker sexually harassed people in this comic. <laughs> I thought Joker was, like, too bad and too horny in this comic. It kind of... <laughs> 
put me off more than like the you know the serial killer you know or the guy <laughs> slashing his mother open with a razor it's like you know what i really don't think that's the way joker you know would behave in the workplace with batman I think <laughs> a little bit more respectful of him and his personal space now wow. reading it again i realize you know that's a little bit silly and i i really enjoyed uh reading again i think it's actually a really strong comic that covers up all the limitations of grant morrison uh by way of dave mckean's style art yes. style where he it, what i've said about grant morrison before is like it feels sometimes when you're reading him just on a craft level like there are panels missing and he skipped the page and his script is very disjointed that's deliberate that works in this one because it is deliberate like there are panels missing and it is disjointed it's meant to be disjointed and it works for both dave mckean's art style and the type of story he's telling about uh of you know batman entering arkham asylum because joker has taken it over and uh, and they said you know we only need one more person here to be with all us crazies and that's you batman because you're just as crazy as us and also like this almost kind of this lovecraftian type story about the origin uh, origins of uh arkham asylum itself where they're talking about jeremiah arkham the founder of arkham and his descent uh into um you know celestial madness um as he's dealing with you know personal tragedy um his his mother dying and being left um this big estate that he eventually turns uh into arkham asylum itself and actually he does it for good reasons he's like i i was surprised to read this he says you know i see these you know criminals being they should not be in prison they should be in a hospital i'm gonna yeah. build a hospital for them unfortunately he is haunted by you know spectral visions of the great beyond and he builds like an evil hospital for them but he is like trying to do some criminal justice reform in this book ultimately yeah i hadn't remembered that until i revisited it and that was like i i mean because that i think whereas i completely you know moore's premise of you know quote-unquote insanity really bothers me this book is just like oh it's so good i just love this is one of my favorite books like i think the way they weave like magic and like craziness and like ancestral trauma and how the past, you know, bleeds into the present and seeing themes pop up in, you know, one person's insanity and then it being related to Kabbalah and stuff. Like, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head that it's like the style and the subject matter really play to Morrison's strengths and, and hide what he's not always good at. Yeah, there's not there's not as much of, of Morrison's like uh, particular obsession with continuity in this book, which I like actually. This is like, uh, yeah this this book is like pretty smart, um, and yeah, also the uh, uh, the art in this is like like really something else. Like this is I like kind of forgot how how cool the art is in this book. Uh, this is such an interesting comic that like this this like very early Morrison work that I, I believe came out kind of to like, to like 
because the movie was coming out. They wanted to put out like a prestige, you know, graphic novel uh, Batman story to sort of pair with the movie. Um, And I guess I can't imagine what people who went and saw the Tim Burton Batman (laughs) (laughs) of this story. I think that's what's crazy. Like, it actually feels like a book that would be, like, written today almost to me. Like The just, art's way ahead of its time, too. Yeah. The art is way ahead of its time. I also just feel how how casual it is about, like, just talking about, like, deep-cut occult shit. It's just, mm-hmm. like, really, really... I mean, it's it speaks to the whole, like, British invade. Like, like of course, Grant Morrison has to, like, Kabbalah and tarot into his <laughs> fucking Batman comic. Yeah. But, like... I don't know. I think it's I it's it feels like 30 years ahead of its time. Oh, oh I, I just read something that, Jack, I'm sorry, I am going to have to ambush you. Actually. Oh, shit. <laughs> Morrison has said about the art that he actually would have preferred. This is so pathetic. This is the most pathetic <laughs> thing on. I've ever read in my entire life. Oh, he said God. he actually would have preferred to have Brian Boland from who did already that is actually, did. That is actually too pathetic. That is too pathetic. <laughs> that is too pathetic that he's like, well, oh, like my take on Killing Joke, I would have preferred the same exact guy. <laughs> Honestly, this guy has got to stop being like obsessed with Alan Moore. He really must stop. Yeah. Yeah, he actually said that he thought that their art, the Morrison's writing and McKean's art style, that they clashed. I'm like, oh my god, what are you talking about? This, you should only write books with you know Dave McKean, and this is some bullshit. He actually, and it's so fucked up for him to say it because this is the bullshit he pulled with McKean. He wrote the script without page numbers. Like, like McKean had to figure like all of this out himself. For people who don't know, a comic book script isn't like a movie script where you have you know separate you know where you in a comic book strip you say what's going to be on each page separately as as opposed to designated by like scene and so but grant morrison didn't do that he just wrote the whole script out without the page numbers and mckean figured it out all on his own and this motherfucker will actually go out and then say actually i will like brian boland uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, I mean, some 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 geniuses need to just keep their mouth shut and stick to, <laughs> stick, stick to what they're good at. i mean yeah. i think i think what the, the the only reason this story is effectively told is because of how the novel is constructed and like i think i also think it's like it shows that everything like a graphic novel, not ne- not necessarily everything a graphic novel and comic like should be, but like what you can do with it. Yeah. And yeah. like, I mean the, the pages that he wrote for this too, like not only did he not write page numbers, he, it, there was like, I want to say there was like twice as much content there. <laughs> like he, he overwrote this because he overwrites everything. And I don't know. I think the, what really works about this book for me is, is that it's, you know, it's super duper abstract. It's hard to follow. You have to really like some parts of it. If you really want to read every, you know, word written inside of it, you'd need a magnifying glass, but like it's, it speaks to what you can do with abstract. Like you can sometimes show realism way more effectively by showing like crazy watercolor smears of madness. Like, and I think 
he doesn't know what makes his work good and he just <laughs> yeah. needs to be quiet. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, this is, I, I'm just passing through it because Dave McCain, he was famous for doing the Sandman covers and, you know, like, I, I remember seeing those covers and being like, what is this? Can you put that on a comic book cover? Like, is that what, like, I did, I had no idea what was inside the book because the covers were, you know, made with these, I, I don't know the artistic term, but made like with real materials that he would patch together and take a photograph of with a drawing of like morpheus or whatever and he does you know something you know very similar stuff too it's just like there's it's so textured and layered and so beautiful and it complements you know the somewhat disjointed story where it's jumping back and forth between you know this weird uh, again of course uh, alice in wonderland type journey for batman uh to go into arkham asylum um by himself without any of uh, the cops back up in order to play this little game with the Joker, who I have to say is very cordial, uh, aside from the sexual harassment now. He is like, for some reason, this Joker, he woke up this morning and said, I'm just going to be very nice to Batman. And I'm actually not going to shoot that many people or kill that many people. And they make a point in the comic that this joke, like Joker reinvents himself like every single day, yeah. depending on what's going on, because that's his way of surviving in the world. I think, they use the super sanity uh when the doctor's talking about them uh so uses the super sanity idea and it kind of explains why we get so many different versions of joker who the one who wants to play branks the one who's a serial killer the one who's a, a gangster and we get it we get to see a few different uh, facets in this it's mostly the you know the the kind of kooky joker who's you know telling these weird jokes and like patting batman on the ass type joker i like it when joker is kind of queer and like i feel like this book and dark knight returns kind of really lean into that in like a very interesting way in this one it's like the kind of like boundaryless like homoeroticism of batman the fact that he's like pinching his ass and like calling him darling and stuff like it just feels i think whereas like the like Dark Knight Returns Joker is this, like, evil, like, Charles Nelson Riley like, type gay guy. Like, this is just the unhinged, like, no identity, like, see, like, it's so interesting, too, that it's, like, he's reinventing himself every day. He's capable of being the worst version of a Joker, but on this particular day, he's almost more playful. Like, he he tricks Batman into thinking that he stabbed a girl in the eye. Yeah. And then when he shows up, she's not, like, I think that's so... It's it's so unhinged. I love it. Yeah, it's always like cool. It's it can be more fun sometimes when Joker doesn't kill a person just because you know, like, um, I, like there's there's several like a lot of writers play with uh play with this where Joker will like you think he's going to about to do the most evil thing, but then the gun is of course like a fake prop uh, gun. That uh, that that's in the uh the Killing Joke as well. And get again like this joke joker can be a character just that can just be anything that you want him to be well you and this helps with like some of the plot holes that pop up in superhero comic books like not necessarily plot holes but kind of logical inconsistencies where you have you know a, a character like the joker you can have him show up and not you know murder anybody and then it's okay that batman doesn't just kill him outright right because what people people this is one of the like the earliest hot takes is like batman should just kill the joker 
outright because he knows he's going to kill a bunch of people, but he actually doesn't. Sometimes Joker just comes comes around and plays a little prank on a cop, and it's fine, so he doesn't have to kill him. Yeah, I I mean, I think that's why this book works, because that's that's the Batman I want, and it's why like I don't really like Batman that much, because I feel like it's... I feel like so many people just make him like a, like a cop. Like, and it's why, like, I don't like the Nolan movies really at all. (laughs) Like if you go back and rewatch whatever, the one with Bane, it's like what, what people are like trying, like what Bane wants to happen is basically like to define, like he wants a nuclear bomb, but he basically is just trying to like recreate the social order. So like people stop suffering and Batman is just like fucking George W. Bush, cop like oh you mean when the scene when batman rushes all the bad guys with the cops that wonderful wonderful scene in that film where the cops are just straight up uh, his superhero team yeah it's disgusting it's it's in but i feel like that's the majority i mean even the like burton batman's batman's like fucking shooting people and like i don't know like to me this this book, like, it takes the villains and, like, I love, I love the fact, I love how pathetic Two-Face is in this. And, like, the quote about, um, we're the acid-scarred victims of history and and Clayface, uh, I was shit into existence. Like, like, it really kind of, it creates a template where, like, Batman has to have a level of compassion for these people because they are sick. Like they yes. may be killers and they may be like horrible monsters of people, but like, I don't know, like society's made them this way, like, and they deserve compassion, you know, to the mo- to the biggest degree. And that's what Batman should represent. He shouldn't just be shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah, I was, wa- I watched, uh, went back and watched some of Batman the Animated Series because I was on this, a podcast called, uh, Parents, uh, Just Don't Understand by our, our friend of the show, uh, Kurt Schiller. And you, when you go back and watch that show, like every single time, like Batman has to put someone away, like he has a line about compassion at the end, like for, you know, the criminal, like he's sad and upset and he's trying to help all these people you even see some of this in the dark knight returns at least in the the first uh chapter well you i think you kind of see it throughout you see it in the first chapter with harvey dent you see it with the mutant gang by the end of it all the teenagers that he turns into his uh personal um fascist uh <laughs> military but, but you know all the juvenile delinquents he was being up and now he's you know saving them very you really put it well like he's not you know just like the joker because he actually has compassion for all these for all the people he's putting away and he wants them to get help and he wants you know t- he he has a personal compassion for him it's not just i only care about you know protecting the victims from the evil type batman that batman you know you see a lot of but is as you, as you said very it's not as interesting as the batman who's who's almost like just a somewhat tough nurse like keeping yeah. like keep you know bringing everyone back uh, to the hospital when they get when they get out. Yeah. And I think, I think, um, I don't know. Like I, I, I also, but I think killing joke kind of dances around that too. And, and, and dark Knight returns too. Like, I think, I think like that is when 
people are really hitting the nail on the head with their dynamic is when is when Batman realizes he goes too far with Joker. You yeah, know, like when he kills yes. him, like in whatever. Like it's I don't know. I think that's what I want to see. Um, I I really love how it's done in this book. Yeah, I, I I mean, I really, really liked, you know, reading this again. I didn't enjoy it the, the first time because I, I just thought, you know, Joker needed to go talk, uh, have like a HR meeting or something. But reading <laughs> it again, you know, I, I really think it, it's just uh, Dave. I, apparently, I'm figuring out that we should really be crediting Dave McKean because I am looking <laughs> through the script and there's so much more in it that Dave, that McKean like had to edit down into, you know, this really fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic comic just to have Morrison like talk shit about him for no reason. <laughs> like, um, wow. But it, it, I really think it's a, a fantastic, fantastic uh, book and really, uh, you know, holds up very well. I think I like I like it more now than I did in the past. Yeah, I think it's a great book. I think the art is really cool. Uh, and yeah, I do think it, it like it feels so much more modern. It feels very modern. Uh, uh, you know. Uh, uh, like it, it feels like a comic like that could have come out in the last ten years or so. Totally. I mean, like I, this is usually actually the book I recommend to people if they like don't really like comics but like want to get into something just because it's it's so, it couldn't be like further from like a normal comic book. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. All right. This has been a wonderful conversation. I feel like we need to come back and talk about, you know, some more Joker comics again, Vera. But where can people find you and where can they support the people's joker um you can follow me at vero drew 22 on uh, twitter instagram um people's joker is currently in pre-production um i one thing i didn't touch on in the beginning is i when i announced that i was doing it i opened up the creative process to anybody that would want to contribute just because i know most of us you know we should be staying home still just beside the fact that everything's opened. Um, so, uh, visit the people's if you would like to get involved in any way. Um, and yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping to make that available, uh, at the end of the year. Um, hoping to have it all done. It's become more of an immense project. Like when I opened up the creative process, I got like 150 people like that reached out to me and like, no joke, the majority of them were trans. And I was like, I need to make this good now. Like I feel (laughs) like, like I always was going to like put a lot of care into this, but now it feels like, 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 I don't know, like it's important or something. Um, so I'm taking my time with finishing it, but I'm hoping to, uh, make it available for people to see by the end of the year. So, well, it sounds like an awesome project and the trailer, uh, that you have up at, at the people, is it the people's joker.com? Yes. Yeah. Uh, at the people's joker.com. It's fun. It's not, it's like such a fun project and it sounds like, you know, this is like, honestly what these characters should be used for is to tell personal stories that break copyright law is really what I think. <laughs> I really think that's what we should be doing. I couldn't agree more. I fucking, I really like, I love superheroes and I love comic books so much. And I just fucking hate most movies about oh, them. Me too. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. Like, I know you guys are really anti Marvel. I'm, I'm, I like guardians of the galaxy. Um, but that's mostly just cause I like James Gunn. But like, I think that's like the primary, like, I don't need to see any more 
straight white cis dudes <laughs> just fucking standing in front of like a bunch of explosions and yeah. talking about like like it's so I hate the self seriousness and I hate how bland they all are. So yeah, yeah, copyright infringement's the way to go. Feels Hell like. yeah. Um, well, thanks for coming on. It was it was good to talk to you. And uh, uh, all right, everyone, we'll uh, we'll see you later. All right, well, thanks, folks. Guys. That was struggle session. Have a good one. It changes you. They say it gives you an affliction like stigmata, but worse. It's called Jokerfication. Look it up. Got me Joker Five. Joker got me Joker Five. Like what you hear, want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.